Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick, this is Scott. Hello, Scott, how are you? <laughs> hello, Nick. <laughs> oh, going really well. How Excellent. are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Now, where are we? What are we drinking? We are in the, the DY Hotel on a very rainy day. <laughs> we certainly are. I believe you have no power. I have no power. Yep, it must be the rain or something. Well, there you go. <laughs> Your NBN's playing over again. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we are drinking today, and look, just to sort of mix it around a bit, um, this is a lovely, uh, well, semi-lovely, uh, Rioja. <laughs> From Spain. Uh, I'll this, be the judge of whether it's lovely or not. This, this is the, uh, the the Alto Amol. It's just something just radically different. Um, it's drinkable. Did I ever, ever tell you about my trip to Alicante when I was younger? Oh, I'm so not we sure. went to Alicante in Spain, um, and I was very young. It was my first ever business trip, and um, we didn't have a lot of money. And we went to the little supermarket, and we were going to be cooking that night. Um, and I worked out that you could either buy a bottle of tomato sauce for our chips we were making. Or a bottle of Rioja. Oh. So we had the Rioja instead. Um, but you, had, you had vegetarian that night. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. It's, it's not too bad. It's fairly quaffable. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the Rioja blend, for those that are not sort of aware, it's uh, mainly Tempranillo, but um, a little bit of um, the equivalent of what the, the Grenache is and uh, a Graciano, whatever oh, okay. that is. Cool. I'm not familiar with that one, but anyway. So what are we chatting about today? You know, there's, there's been a lot of talk just recently about all these Bitcoin movements and mm-hmm. costs and what's happening. I mm-hmm. thought, let's, let's just talk a little bit about Bitcoin, covering just some, some basics so that everybody's sort of got some foundational knowledge and can sort of make some sense out of uh, what this is all about. And, and after this, let's see how many actually run out and buy Bitcoin mining rigs for $10,000 a pop. Okay, so, so I will say before we start, <laughs> nothing we say today can be tr- construed investment advice, and any advice we do give is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances. That's right. And having said that, if we give you any advice around Bitcoin, it'll be equivalent to the other bit we'll talk about at the end. Which probably isn't worth a lot. Yeah, so don't take advice <laughs> from us, certainly when it comes to financial matters. No. But let's talk about the tech. Okay. Right? So the tech's really interesting. I know yep. lots about this because mm. I've. Um, Bitcoin's based on a technology called blockchain. Oh, yes. And yes. I've written a blockchain. Ooh, so I understand there you go. really well. Um, well, as well as you can. So let's try and describe it. So thinking about it, a blockchain allows me to store, at its really simplest level, blocks of data. Mm-hmm. with links between them, which prove that each block which came before is valid. Okay. So it's what we call an immutable ledger. Ooh. So if you imagine back in the days when banks had passbooks, and this is probably our age group, yes, that's right. people don't know what they were. And you used to go into the bank and you used to give them like five bucks, and they take this book you had and they pass it through a printer and it would print that you'd that. added five bucks. Yes. And that was your statement. Yeah. And it's called a ledger. Right? It contains a set of transactions. In a blockchain, there is a set of transactions that get recorded at its really simplest form. Underlying that is a network of computers. Right. Of random computers all over the place. And by randomness, one of them gets to write the block to the chain. Right, so it does the, the calculations to prove that this is the right block and it inserts it. And this it computer could be anywhere in the world. It could be anywhere in the world. So how do we choose that computer? 
Well, the way we choose that is we get all the computers to try and solve a complex puzzle. And the first one to solve it, so it's, it's a weird puzzle, um, it's what we call a, a cryptographic hash. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way you can, you can break it is like brute forcing passwords. You start at one and then do yeah. two and then AA and BB and you keep going until you get it. And the first person to get it right gets the rights to write the next block in the chain. At the same time, there's some checks and balances. All of these, what we call peers or, or miners, run the same software and they can verify yep. that. And so they look at transactions and they all work out whether the transaction's valid or okay. not. Yes, everyone agrees it's a valid transaction. Somebody solves the cryptographic puzzle, which is really hard to solve, but super easy to prove it's been solved. And they get to write the next block on the chain. And then they all start solving the puzzle again and somebody else random does it and onwards and onwards and onwards. So the bigger the network, the ah. harder it is to crack. Because I remember in the early days, and you go back quite a few years for, for Bitcoin, it was really quick. So, so that's, that's, that's another thing, right? How long does it take to crack? Now, that's written into the software. So if you look at Bitcoin, for example, which is one of the most popular cryptocurrencies, the more computing power in the network, the harder the puzzle becomes. And they mm. try and keep it to about 10 minutes to write mm. each block. Now, a block isn't a transaction, it's a whole set of transactions that get queued up and get written. But you can only, when because we're dealing with this kind of distributed network, you can only really be sure your block's been written after it's, there's been four or five or six other blocks afterwards. And then the statistics of it being a bad block get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, but never zero, just to make it work. So it's a okay. big statistical cryptographic puzzle fundamentally that creates this immutable record of transactions that happen. So, so we know that, and we've, we've talked a, a bit about blockchain just then, yep. and we know that Bitcoin is one, I'll, I'll say, application of the blockchain. Correct. It yep. uses blockchain as its ledger, yes. but there's other uses of blockchain as well, isn't oh, there? Oh, that's what the, the, the industry would love us to believe. Um, <laughs> so, so, look, theoretically, there's lots of uses for this uh, the, the, the key thing about it, and the, the original white paper um, written by Satoshi Nakamoto, who's the unknown person who invented Bitcoin and started this whole thing, was that they wanted to get away from centralized control. They didn't trust anyone and wanted to have this kind of distributed network for currency, for, for cash. And, and that's where it all came from. Um, but the other applications are anywhere where you need a ledger. Okay. And you don't trust the organization in the middle because boy is it simpler to just have a database in the middle and, well, and get people to yeah. use it. If, if I'm a, a finance company or I'm a, 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 a someone who's recording data somewhere, why wouldn't I just go and stick this in a database? Yep, yeah, and we, we have lots of people who do that, like the Reserve Bank of Australia. Right. If you think of them, they issue what we call fiat currency, mm -hmm. which are notes with a serial number on them. Yes. That they'll take one of those and they'll give you real money allegedly it's a, yeah. it, it's a way of doing it. But that's centralized control, whereas this is distributed. We all kind of don't trust each other, but we trust software. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So if we look at that, we, we know now Bitcoin, yep. I'll say you know, fact or fantasy. It's an interesting I, point. So I, I don't really know where to go on this one. It's software. So it doesn't really exist, does it? Um, but so, so one of the things I didn't talk about when I was talking about the technology is how do I get the network to be as big as I can? Because the bigger I make it, the harder it is to hack. Okay. The way to make it bigger is they reward the node or the miner that writes the block. 
and ah. they give them a Bitcoin or a percentage of a Bitcoin or a portion of one each time they write a block. So that's why it's actually in the early days was really in your interest because you didn't need a lot of computing power. You could solve the cryptographic puzzle, you could write a block to the chain and you get rewarded mm. for it. Now, as there's more and more and more people in it, the rewards are less. So you have to look at different equipment. I, I saw it was currently sitting around six and a quarter Bitcoin, just having halved from about 12 and a half yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, and, and it will keep halving until yes. it reaches the point where there is now, in the software, there's a limit to how many Bitcoin can be in circulation. Right. That's why it should increase in value because it's a limited, mm. a limited yeah. asset. We found, was it 90, 92% or something like that of the Bitcoins? Have been found? Have been found already, yep. So, and something that, like that. And, and a bunch of them have gone missing as well, but you oh, can't yes. get them back. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, and that will, that will, it's interesting to see where the economics will lie once you're not getting any reward for mining. And that's where mm. you start to get charged transaction oh. fees, yeah. and that goes back to the notes. I, I think there's a lot of people not going to get any rewards for mining. Mining used to be really good. It's not that. And what are the numbers now? You know, it's, 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 well, look, how I, much I, are you going to make? I, I worked it out for myself. Okay, cool. And, and I, I've got a, like a fairly decent sort of computer I work off. Yep. And I worked out that if I um, if I go and do mining on that, I will generate in revenue about two dollars thirty one a day. Yep. And let's say that's equivalent to like a, a four thousand dollar computer sort of thing, brand new, with yeah you know, the appropriate video cards and the processors and a lot of memory and a fairly sort of fast machine that can do some processing. Yeah, but your computers designed for general purpose uh, computers. That's it's, right. It's, it's not a mining machine. It's not a mining machine, and and so, you know. It used to be when you bought a graphics card, ah, yes. you bought a graphics card to do graphics. They're now selling graphics cards to do crypto mining. Yeah, and charging considerably more for them. Considerably more for them. They're different, they're, and they're different, slightly different architectures. Um, but yeah, so that's that's yeah. fascinating. If you, um, sorry, if you ever see the uh, the graphics cards, a little LHR on them, low hash rate. Yeah, that means they're the ones that they're exactly the same as the mining cards, but they've been nobbled so that they won't exactly. do the crypto as fast. And, and certainly if you want to crack passwords and use some of those tools, you want a mining rig. You, you do, to do it. you do. Same, it's, it's the same, actually the same process is used to do the cryptographic hash as is done to crack an Excel password, for example. Yeah, and it can take quite a long time. And it can take up oh, to the yes. death of the universe, yes. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So I checked this last night, and yep. the current value of Bitcoin in the last few days is fifty-four thousand three hundred and sixty odd Australian dollars, roughly. Yes. Give or take yep. GST and whatever else. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, and five years ago, it was fifteen hundred and thirty-one dollars. Yep. So that, that's not a bad fluctuation. Yeah. So yeah, and, but that's belying what happens with the the, the thing. Yes. Um, yeah, I gave a presentation I think five years ago now to the CompTIA community on how all this stuff worked. Um, and a bunch of people got excited in the room and went out and bought um, Bitcoin, um, which was actually on its way up. I think it got to $20,000 uh, about a week later. Mm. And then everyone was very excited and went and bought Bitcoin. And of course, the price crashed yeah. like, big time. Um, and had everybody held on to everything, they'd have doubled their money, but nobody did. No. And so everyone panicked and took their money out. So it's very, very, very speculative. But, um, but also, also say, you know, just before we dive off that one, the ATO know about cryptocurrency. Yes. So when you, how do you get money in and out of cryptocurrency? We use a, uh, an exchange, which is okay. another business that buys Bitcoin and sells it to you or buys another cryptocurrency and sells it to you. When you join up with an exchange, you have to prove who you are. That's not for them. That's for the tax office. Yes, I've noticed this. So in, in Australia, for example, if I buy Bitcoin at like 
$1,000 and yep. I sell it at $10,000, I make a $9,000 gain. You make a $9,000 capital gain. That's yes. right. It's a capital gain if here. If you've held it for over a year. If you haven't held it for over a year, then I believe you get taxed at your marginal but rate. It's considered um, income. Yes. You're a trader and it's considered income. Yep. Yes. Now, this is very different. Now, this, this is different in different places in the world. Germany, Switzerland, for example. I, yeah, I don't know their regimes. I do know the U.S. is very similar to ours. The U.S. is similar to us. They do treat it as a capital gain. Germany says it's a currency exchange. We don't care. Yep. Providing you're not a miner. Right. If you're a miner, then they say you're doing that as a business. But uh, you can under, also... Under 16 or crypto miner? <laughs> which, which one? <laughs> That's right. One wonders sometimes. <laughs> um, but no, there are a few countries. Um, I think Singapore was another one. Yeah. Portugal. They've got a lot of specific rules around... If you're not a crypto miner, yep. then look, it's just currency. It's all yours. Go for it. But the um, many other countries, they're just trying to get their share of the, uh, of yep. the capital gains sure. tax on it. So look, I know the miners these days, because you can make so much by being the, the one that finds that block. Yes. Um, and then, in theory, there's a long trail of little transaction fees out of it. Yep. They are pumping like millions and millions and millions of dollars into infrastructure so, to so do he, this. So here's the problem. Compute uses power. Yes. So there's two ways of doing this, and this is fascinating. Blockchain uses what's called proof of work. So to be able to write to the blockchain, you have to prove you've solved that puzzle. And that uses vast amounts of computing power, like country-size yes. amounts of electricity to make it happen. It's crazily evil for the environment. Uh, well, this is it. It seems that there are some countries, and um, I think Ukraine was one of them, when they've spent a lot of effort on this. But if you own the power grid, and you can generate power at that low rate somehow, it can be effective. It, 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 but it can be effective. Not many people can say, oh, look, I've got my own power plant. But well, And see, there is another way, and we're watching... And I know Ethereum's been looking at it for a while and a bunch of others about how they don't do proof of work, but they do proof of stake. And proof of stake is another statistical algorithm based on how much of that currency you own. Because on an immutable ledger, you can prove how much you own. Right. And if you can prove how much you own cryptographically, then you can use that as a proof of your ability to mine. That's interesting. Yeah, there okay. you go. So proof of stake okay. is, a, is another way of doing it. And there's a few others being yes. thrown around as well. Now, if I've got all this Bitcoin, yeah. I'm storing it somewhere. Well, you're not, because it doesn't exist. So That's very true. Yeah, okay. You have transactions in a ledger. Yes. And the way that works is using what we call public key encryption. So if, for example, I had a Bitcoin. Yes. And I wanted to give it to you. Okay. For whatever reason I wanted, I would create a transaction um, saying my address is a big long number, your address is a big long number, you tell me your address. I'd write a transaction saying my Bitcoin is going to that address, from this address to that address, and I'd sign it with my private key. Okay. Okay. You would then be able to, in fact, anyone would be able to read my public key, which anybody can find, yeah. and prove that I signed it. Okay. That's that proving it's a valid transaction. Then when all the nodes have said it's a valid transaction, somebody writes it to the blockchain. Once it's been written, there's a few more blocks which proves that the chain is now valid. Then that's a valid transaction and you now have access to okay. do stuff with those, those, those bitcoins. So what, um, what would happen if you lost your private key? You couldn't get, you'd lose anything which was associated with that address. You would lose access to forever. 
Now, this is a bit different to losing your car keys because they're a physical item. Uh, and, you know, you can put a new lock in your car or the car manufacturer can do something. It's different to losing your bank card because your bank can do some other form of verification mm. and find you. If you lose your private keys in the cryptocurrency world, you've lost that. It, there's no way back. There's, it's not like uh, somebody can help me out. It's these algorithms are very, 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 very hard to crack at the moment with our state-of-the-art technology. And there ain't no one who's going to get your money back. In right. fact, I got approached by a, um, someone the other day who'd lost his private key for four or five Bitcoin. Mm. 54K times four or five. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. his money's worth. Uh, Even that amount of money couldn't buy his ability uh, to get that back. I've met someone that had 10 to 12 Bitcoin floating around somewhere. If they could just find that USB key where they'd stored this the private key. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Private keys aren't simple. They're not one, two, three, four. Oh, no. They're massive, long, complex yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, that's quite interesting, actually. I tell you what, if you look at all of that together, would you get more involved in Bitcoin, or do you see it more as just, a, hey, it's, it's here, but I'm not sure I'm really it's, it's got a good it's, application for it? So it's highly speculative, right? It's, it's, it, it goes up and down quite a lot. Hmm. Nobody knows where it's going to land, whether it's going to be seen as valid and keep going, or whether it's just going to crash out of all existence. Nobody knows that and um, you get commentary from people like Alan Greenspan saying it's all a con all the way through to people saying it's the best thing since sliced bread I don't know who's right I don't, I'm not sure anybody does so my view with anything like that is treat it like the horse racing yeah and that's fair and look, uh, it's gambling I have seen people say look I don't want my currency to be tied to a country or, or a specific place in the world i just want it to be global and, and also also want to be hard to identify right as i said our addresses are just long numbers hmm. while it's possible to work out who owns addresses it's very 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 hard yes so it, it's used a lot for crime well i, I think but so is cash so is cash that's very true but this um this whole concept of using it for crime the ledger as you've said, is immutable. Yes. And I've seen this thing where criminals have gone and stolen a whole bunch of Bitcoin and they now own it, or own it in theory, and they're going, well, what do I do with this yep. now? Because the ledger says, well, it's them. You can track it all back to where it came from yeah, which, and, which, and if which it goes fine, somewhere. Because you've got this Bitcoin now. At some stage, you're going to want to own Yes, there are things you can buy with Bitcoin, but it's not as prevalent as you think. I can't no. go to the bar and order a bottle of Rioja on Bitcoin. Well, but this is the problem because... A current transaction on Bitcoin right at the moment takes about 10 minutes to perform and about an hour to certify. Oh, uh, no. No, I disagree. Okay. If you want to be a merchant that accepts Bitcoin, you have to run a miner. Because ah, if you run a okay. miner, the miner, your miner can look at that transaction and give you a feeling as to whether it's a valid transaction or not. It can't tell you exactly because yeah. we have what we call the double spend problem. If you say I'm spending my one Bitcoin and at the same time Jim is over on the other side of the network yes. spending your one Bitcoin with That's your right. private key, eventually this is going to clash in the middle and one side or other of the nodes are going to win yep. and you'll only be able to spend it once. That's called the double spend but, problem. But that, that can take about an hour to work out and to synchronize. It can take a while. So You can just imagine going to your local coffee shop for coffee going... Oh, I'll have my coffees, please, and just tap my little Bitcoin wallet, yep. and then we just wait an hour for that to certify and I, say you've got your money coming yeah, in, I think and, and you, here's your cold coffee. If, you're, if it's a coffee, <laughs> and you're running a node, and the node say, yep, you know what, this is an absolutely valid transaction, 
That's not the type of transaction double spend is going to worry about. Yes. Right. So you've got to make a value adjustment. If somebody gives you cash, you're doing the same thing, because you. How much is it? Is forged? How much well, isn't? Will the next guy take it? I saw Dell got into this originally, and they said they started taking Bitcoin a, a few years ago. Now they've, they've stopped doing it now. Yeah. Um, but because of their model, and they've got different processing areas in different parts of the world, you put the order in online. Yep. The next day, someone in the next country would go and grab that and go, okay, oh, we've got some orders here for this, and oh, the price went up overnight. That's not enough Bitcoin anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it gets passed back to someone else to sort out. And a few so, days later, it so ends that's, up. So <laughs> that's interesting. If you're going to sell something in Bitcoin, yes. you give it a price in Bitcoin. If you try and tie that to another fiat currency, you think of the entire currency market. Every currency is changing value against every oh, other currency, absolutely. against crypto all the time. There's no way you can keep track well, of it. What we saw, Venezuela came out with Bitcoin as an alternate to their currency Which issues. is in mass inflation at the moment. Uh, so. Yeah, and look, it sort of failed for them. El Salvador came in and said, we as a government will formally recognize this type of Bitcoin, our, our own version of Bitcoin. Yep. Um, and that's interesting because it's a government saying I'm not going to have a currency tied to this global thing we've got no control over. So, so there's another interesting thing which I very rarely cover when I talk about Bitcoin but I think it's really important is the software that runs the miners in order for Bitcoin to work has to be open source. Of course. Because if you can't read what the software does how are you ever going to trust it? Now that gets really interesting because the people who are actually doing this for a living have the capability to read and understand what the software does. Um, mom and pop investors mm. really wouldn't have a clue. It, it, yeah. it's, it's complex maths, it's complex software, yeah. it's doing hard things. And that makes it a lot harder for them. They're, they're taking it on faith that it's trustworthy. And as you see, all of these other coins appear with all, some, some of them based on known blockchains like Ethereum, um, some of them different versions of Bitcoin, some of them different blockchains altogether. How do you know to trust it? Well, this is it. You, you don't. I mean, and I was in a taxi once when taxis were common and popular, and the driver was giving me Bitcoin investment advice. I've had that too. Yeah. For about half an hour, and at which point I sort of said, "That's, that's amazing." And you seem to have done all right, but just out of interest, how many years of financial planning did you, you know, yeah, were you involved with to get to this point? And he said, "Oh no, I just drive my taxi." I said, "Oh, okay." And that's why there's laws about giving advice. Yes. Right. So once again, none of this is advice. Right. It's just no, none of this is advice. Tech. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, that was interesting. It was just something different for a change. Yeah, cool. We well, must do one way actually drive into the tech because that's really fascinating, but maybe not for this audience. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Scott, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everybody. If you do like what you saw today, please give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave a comment with a topic you'd like us to cover. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Have a super day. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye.